Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Coringai Post and the Hornsby RSL. Anthony the Bull Caruso back with you this week as we continue our preview of the biggest domestic club competition in the world. Yes, the English Premier League. Part one ran hot, and we are looking forward to keeping that momentum going. And you can only achieve that with solid consistency. So, back with us tonight is our chief football correspondent, the spicy chorizo, Dom Rizzuto. And every week we go through this, Dom, it just keeps getting hotter. It gets hotter, it gets tougher. It's good to be here for the second uh, week, going through these teams uh, that we have remaining on the uh, Premier League list. Probably the uh, remaining Good ones that we have left, I would suppose, to say. It's going to be a, we're going to probably run the rule over some of the teams that are going to be right up there come the business end of the season. And, you know, there's still, you know, plenty of time before the season begins. Transfers uh, will come in and out, but we'll do our best to predict where they'll finish based on uh, what we have now in terms of uh, the information in front of us and hopefully give uh, <laughs> the fans something they want to hear or perhaps something they don't want to hear. Well, not not only that, but our guest, well, one of our guests is back with us tonight. Unfortunately, Scott Balderson, he won't be free, but we will get his um, tips back with us. But we have managed to retain the services of our Spanish export, Michael Lloyd-Green. Good evening to you. Good evening, guys. Thanks for having me back. Today is going to be awesome, boys. We actually get to talk about a lot of the teams that we all want to watch this year, so it's going to be great. Oh, mate, we absolutely cannot wait. It is the second half of our 10 teams that will be previewed, and once completed, we'll then look at the overall predictions. We'll have them posted up on our Facebook page, and I believe Dom will have them on Instagram as well for everyone to see, so there's no hiding from these tips. We should, absolutely. Next week, we'll have both... Uh podcasts up for you so you can listen to them in one go. Uh, we kept it a little bit quieter on the socials this week just so that we could uh, give you the full kind of prediction uh, over the, uh, from from next week onwards. So uh, listen out and uh, pay attention t- uh, to the, uh, <laughs> the announcements uh, when we uh, go live in just a, you know, a, few day- a few moments time. Well, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's get straight back into it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. Now, before we pick things up with the show itself, we need to um, make an announcement of a couple of changes that have occurred from the transfers that came from the show last week. And I'll get your thoughts on these before we get straight into it. First off, Bubakari Sumar, please excuse the pronunciation there, uh, Dom, from Lille to Leicester City for £17 million. Yeah, good pick-up from Leicester. You know, it just adds more depth to the to the squad, doesn't it, really? I mean, he's a pretty handy pick-up coming off, obviously, that winning season that Lille have just had in, in France and will add great versatility to that, that middle of the park as well, which is going to be great for them, especially the way that sort of Brendan Rodgers does business and some of the signings he's brought in previously I imagine that this will be another absolute diamond in the rough for them. Yeah, mate. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with Dom on that one. I think it's going to be a really great signing. They always seem to pick up these guys out of nowhere. I mean, in the past, I've had people 
before even you know Kante were like was known. You know, obviously they picked him up. He was just he's a great one that comes to mind. And I think this guy is going to be the same. I think he's going to really, really, really do well. As is the the backup striker that they bought to um to back up Vardy, who we talked about last week. Yeah, Patson Dacker. Yeah, absolutely, Patson Dacker. And he's I think he's also going to be a great signing as well. So I think he's done quite well in the transfer window, to be honest. Well, here's one that's come out of nowhere, Michael, and I forgot he was even still at the club. Victor Moses. Uh, he is leaving Chelsea for Spartak Moscow, but this, I mean, he's been going around for forever and a day. Jesus, mate, is he still, <laughs> mate, when you said that, I was like, Victor Moses is still there? I didn't even know he was, mate. Wasn't he out on loan somewhere, or, mate, I don't know. I, I he's been, he has been out on loan, yeah. I think, in Turkey and in Russia. That's right, that's right, mate, but I'm a big fan of that guy. I mean, when he was in his peak, he was, uh, he was really good, but, just he lacked a bit of consistency, I guess. Under different managers, he did well, and under others, he just seemed to lose all confidence. I don't know what you boys think about it. Well, yeah, under Antonio Conte, he was the player of the season. Back when they won it, the title in, I think it was 2015 or 2017, I can't remember which year it was now. Um, I think it was 2015. And he, yeah, he was, the, he was their heralded player of the year in that right wing-back position. But since then, obviously, Chelsea has changed drastically, as it does year on year at that club, because they've got no kind of substance. And... You know, they've had Barry Span his way out, but yeah, he's been around a long time. I don't think he's going to make much of a difference to Chelsea's title ambitions this year. Let's go to the next one is Jack Harrison is leaving Manchester City for Leeds United for £11 million. And we'll go into more in depth of this when we get through those two clubs, in particular for Manchester City. Enoch Mwipu from Red Bull Salzburg to Brighton and Hove Albion for an undisclosed amount. This is the one I'm really keen about. Junior Furpo. From Barcelona to Leeds United for thirteen million pounds. Yeah, they've made yeah. some good signings, Leeds, haven't they? Obviously, keeping Max Harrison was a big one for them. They were worried that you know City were going to uh, bark, you know, at uh, the idea of letting him go, and they've got him for real cheap considering the prices that usually English players cost. So that's good to keep that they'll keep him. He's but he was really good last season, and yeah, Junior Firpo, you know, he'll be. Really strong at the back. It's probably one of the areas that Leeds probably do lack. He's probably a commanding centre-half. And I know he's young, but um, he's got a big future ahead of him. And I imagine that uh, you know he'll fit right into that Beasley system or Bielsa system straight away. And they'll start growing him. Hopefully, he'll be a, for them, he'll be, be a bit like a Wesley Fofana for Leicester and, and just take uh, the league by storm. The last one to mention, Michael Orlice from Reading to Crystal Palace for £8 million. A bit of a nothing signing from what I can see there. Crystal Palace are, are serious. They're probably going to have to do better than this. Yeah, mate. Uh, I'm not too sure about that signing, to be honest, mate. It seems to like a little bit of a, a last-minute one just to, <laughs> just yeah. to announce that they've signed someone, you know what I mean? But um, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to do much of a difference for him, to be honest. Look, he's got he's got a raps out of him out of the championship. You know, he's got a an Adabella Lookman kind of vibe to him. But I think when you look at players like that, you know, it's very very hit and miss. Obviously, they they, they had great fortune out of uh, Abrizia Etze last year, and um, hope maybe they're hoping for the the same again. You know, I think Crystal Palace are going bringing Patrick Vieira in. They're going to have a very big change in the way that they've played football over the last five years which was under Roy Hodgson, you know. It's going to be flamboyant, it's going to be attacking. Um, so they're bringing in those kind of players, I think, to solve their problems, which was, I think, scoring goals um, from time to time. And will he be good? I'm not too sure. I think they probably should have gone after a, a, a Lookman or, or, or someone like that. But gone a little bit more left of field, and I don't know if he'll get much game time or what he'll, what he'll be able to produce. But, 
you know, time will yeah. show he's very young. It yeah, just but- seems like one for the future, boys, honestly. I, I think they need to sign someone that's going to help him now, you know, for this season. He, he just seems to be more of one that's – he's going to progress. He's going to become good, I think, given the right time, but – He's not going to keep him up this year, I don't think. The other rumours that have come through, Aston Villa looking to sign Tim um, Erogbugman. Maybe you can pronounce that better than me, um, Tom. (laughs) Well, look, that's news to me. I haven't really kept up with uh, Aston Villa's uh, transfer progress unless the the news actually happens. I mean, interesting, Villa have been doing a lot and lot of business, as I mentioned, trying to build this squad um, they're adamant that it's going to be built around Jack Grealish. I think that the activity, unfortunately, means that he is probably going to move. Usually, you wouldn't be this active if you weren't expecting a departure of one of your players. Um, but that might not be the case. They may make enough signings to impress him and to keep him uh, in the team. Uh, I know they're looking at Elliot Smith Rowe to, to to come in as well. So, but they're doing things, you know, very kind of under the cover of darkness at the moment, Villa, and it's. Uh, I, I know that this is probably coming, I'm coming with the old uh, rose-painted glasses here, but it's exciting. I think that they're really making moves to try and become one of the top dogs in the Premier League, and I wouldn't sleep on some of the movements that they're making um, in this window, despite the fact that Jack Grealish is, I think, personally one foot out the door. It's, I could definitely see him leaving, so it'd be interesting to see how they how they build that team. The other one impacting that, and this is going to be an interesting one for both of you to talk about, Wayne Hennessy has left Crystal Palace and has been linked with both Aston Villa and Chelsea. Yeah, so right. I didn't hear about that one. Back up. Yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah, backup keeper. Another Willy Caballero, I think. Um, <laughs> sounds like. And then, and then the last one, and this is a big one, this for a rumour, Everton rumoured to be selling Richarlison to Real Madrid. He is rumoured to be following Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah, there's a bit of substance behind that. I could I could see it, but I I think he I don't know though I from my understanding he loves Everton he's a big fan of living in in England Richarlison so I would be surprised if he was to go I don't know I don't know mate I think it could happen to be honest mate and I think he'd be doing really really well if he did go to Real Madrid I mean he does really well for the Brazilian national team which is full of big stars you know people wonder how he how he go around all those egos but mate I think he's shown with the Brazilian national team and the Copa America as well that he could definitely do well with uh, Madrid if he was to make the switch. Well, with that, let's get straight into the teams now. And the next team we've got lined up is the champions from two years ago, Liverpool, managed by Jurgen Klopp once again. They finished third last year. And, Dom, there's been a bit of a, a little bit of activity in the transfer market, but there could be more to come. I imagine there's going to be uh, a few decent signings coming out of Anfield this season. Obviously, last year, I think, was just an anomaly for them. You know, they were poised to be contenders again. They got crippled with injury at the start of the year. Let's let's not, you know, be around the bush here. They got hamstrung big time there. You know, at one point they were having to play Fabinho and Jordan Henderson as centre backs, which you know, whilst they they did the job, you could just see that that took away from their class in the midfield. They lost obviously as I mentioned lost Virgil van Dyke. There was seemed to be a bit of a rift between Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah at times, but, and they didn't get the best out of Thiago Alicantra because he could barely play five minutes of football. If they can get their full team on the park, this team is, is for mine, Premier League champions, the way that they play football. They're the only team that knows how to beat Manchester City, convincingly as well. My just question is, is where are they going to go to sign someone? I think they're going after a striker uh, who's a little bit more prolific than Roberto Firmino. That'll be where I, I think the activity will come from. Because, uh, uh, or then probably bringing a centre back to rival Van Dyke's quality 
like uh, Koulibaly or someone like that to try and, you know, make them even more uh, formidable. And we've seen uh, a couple of the big announcements already, Michael. Jorginho Winaldum has gone to PSG on a free. Sepp Vandenberg to Preston on North End, although on loan. They've already brought in Ibrahima Konate from RB Leipzig for £35 million, and they're rumoured to be connected with Kingsley Kuman from Bayern Munich for £43 million. Klopp's going hard, and he's going hard back in Germany. Yeah, mate, absolutely. Um, and he knows he knows that market, doesn't he? He, he always seems to get good uh, good signings from there when he does go there. So, you know, you wouldn't blame him for going back there. But um, like Dom said, I think they're trying to look for a big striker, mate, by the sounds of it. And, and I was getting a bit excited there at one stage. It even sounded like Mbappe might have been uh, considering it, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> with all Klopp's, um, mate, I think it's just Klopp's charisma just seems to get guys that wouldn't normally join the club, maybe even considering it. But look, I think it's a bit out, going a bit far to think that Mbappe's going to be there. But I think they are going to look for another big, big um, signing up there up front, just like Dom said, to replace Firmino. And obviously at the back, maybe another big name. I mean, Konate's in. He's a great centre-back, you know, France and uh, mm-hmm. under-21 international. Um, but I think he's more of one for the future again, and maybe one ready-made defender for the Premier League could be a good signing as well. It's funny, uh, Mpape, I don't think will ever come to England. If anyone saw the hilarious video ahead of the World Cup where they were on a plane over to their game or over to training and Antoine Griezmann was playing football manager on his laptop and said that he signed Kylian Mbappe for Newcastle for £130 million. <laughs> and then Mbappe's face was like, it's too cold over there, I'm not going over there. <laughs> <laughs> But of course, he was linked when they were talking about this Saudi consortium buying Newcastle United. That is very true. I've got them finishing second this year. Your tips? I think they're champions this year, Crusoe. That's my call. Mate, I think they're third this year, boys. Let's move on to Manchester City. Uh, defending champions. They also won the AFL Cup last year, managed by Pep Guardiola. Uh, of course, they made the final of the FA Cup and um, amazingly beaten by Leicester City. No, that was uh, Chelsea. They got oh, beaten sorry, in the Chelsea, Cup. apologies. Chelsea beat them in the Champions League final. Yep, yep, apologies for that one there. The lineup here, not a lot in terms of players coming in, but obviously the big news for Manchester City this year in terms of confirmed transfers is obviously Sergio Aguero finally leaving. He's off to Barcelona on a free. Manchester City, Dom, they have to adjust to life without Sergio Aguero. Yeah, look, they were slowly adjusting without him last year. Anyway, he uh, you know he's a bit of a, you know a bit injury prone and couldn't really get him get on the field for a consistent amount of time. And Guardiola as well started to phase him out a little bit too I- without the injury. But it's it, it now poses their biggest question as to who who do they sign? I mean, they can't play without a striker. You know you know that and they've shown that they can they can win without a striker. You know, it's Kevin De Bruyne playing as that kind of false nine usually does the job for them. But the question then remains is what happens when he kind of gets injured? You know, where does the team kind of go from there? They desperately kind of want someone to replace Sergio Aguero. Obviously, the main target is Harry Kane. But if they are to bring him in, it's going to cost them upwards of £100 million. And they're probably going to need to release a couple of players, which I don't think they really want to do. Uh, to kind of change the the harmony of the team, so I'm not too sure where they look, who they bring in. You know, their defence is pretty sorted. They've got the keeper. They're holding midfield. Yeah, they could probably try and replace a Fernandinho 
Um, I know Rodri's uh, a class talent, but I, I haven't. I have the versatility of Fernandinho will be very much missed from this city side. That's where they really need to 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 bring in players. But I mean, they've got a, a wealth of talent in that squad. Um, I, they'll be up there. I've got them in second this year just because of that. I think if Liverpool can get back to their best, I think they're unbeatable. But I just think with. Uh, you know, City can bring in a couple of players. That might change my mind. But right now, I can only see them as runners-up. And, Michael, your tip, but also it's sort of a comment because they have been poking their nose around the market, as they always seem to do. The word is at the moment is that they're chasing Antoine Griezmann. They may be forced to sell um, Johan Laporte to Barcelona, but there's rumours that they may get another player back from the new camp. But would Antoine Griezmann fit into this squad? Oh, man, that is such a good question. Like, whatever I say, I'm sure he'll do the opposite um, and prove me wrong. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say, if they did get Griezmann, he'd be doing pretty much what he does for Barcelona right now, which is he'd have some great games and score some amazing goals, but he just wouldn't be keeping it up. He wouldn't be the one to lead the team and take it on his shoulders. I mean, back in the days of Atletico Madrid, he did have that form, but I just I see that maybe his ego's gotten a little bit, bit out of control. Maybe he's not working as hard as he used to back in the days of Simeone, but I, I just see him on a bit of a downward slide, to be honest. He wouldn't fit into this system. You know, Barcelona, is this, his system is the same as it once was when Pep Guardiola first was there. It's still ticky-tacker football, high-possession-based football. It's the same at City. He wouldn't fit in. He'd much... He'd be a much better pickup for for Liverpool than fit in Klopp's system. Fast, high press, always kind of just lingering around, looking to pick up the scraps off Salah and and Mane. I think he would be much better fit for that system than the City system. That's for sure. Your tip, Michael? Yeah, mate. I see them coming second as well, mate. All right, let's move from the blue side of Manchester to the red side. It is Manchester United, managed by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and they w- they have been quite quite dom in the transfer market. But, geez, the last week, they have come alive. Well, it's only taken them about four years to make this signing, isn't it? But it, they've got their man. They've got Jaden Sancho in the team. He's a signing that they didn't need it for footballing purposes. He's an absolutely fantastic, marketable signing. It's another excellent piece of business from an advertising point of view because he will absolutely sell tickets. He will sell merchandise. They will make the money that they spent back on him in shirt sales like Cristiano Ronaldo did at Real Madrid. They will just, he will be electric. Kids, you know, a big fan of, you know, what he does and the way he plays. Did they probably need him? No. They have Cavani. They have Rashford. They have Mason Greenwood. They've got, you know, Daniel James. Did they need another winger? Probably not. But from a business point of view, he's a great signing. And I think he'll be good in the Premier League, um, you know, having had that experience playing elsewhere. You know, Dortmund has played in the Champions League. Um, I think he's a terrific signing. But I think they've got some much bigger issues at hand in that squad that they need to fix, which I don't think Jaden Sancho does just yet. The other discussion point from this, Michael, is where those issues are coming out uh, in particular. I personally think the person who's most under pressure in, in this squad is David De Gea, because they've got Dean Henderson and Lee Grant both sniffing at a position. And, and, and for mine, if you if, if I had to pick this team on form last at the start of last season, I would have put Henderson over De Gea. Yeah, mate. Mate, I completely agree with you. And especially if you think about the wages that De Gea's on in comparison as well. He's just he just makes so much more sense, mate. And I don't know, mate, I don't know what's going on with De Gea. He used to be, you know, electric, he used to be a gun, but 
mate, just the parting's caught up with him. I mean, he, he has got a reputation. I don't know if you know, boys, but in Spain, when I was there, he has a big reputation of being a party boy. So um, maybe it's just getting the better of him, you know, in, in Manchester. Maybe that's what's happening. Who knows, mate? But I would definitely go for Henderson as well. I agree with you, Cruiser. Uh, the, the problem was is that Henderson just didn't was, just wasn't good enough. He didn't have the same effect uh, it, during some of the games that he played, from what I saw. Um, he made some sloppy errors. And I think a couple of times, I'm not sure if it was a Paul Scholes or, or Gary Neville said, if, you know, if, if, if David Gea had made that mistake that Henderson had made, the English press would have ravished him. But they left him alone. So it begs the question, is is he good enough for Manchester United? You know, like he was good in a Sheffield team, right, mm-hmm. that were had one good year. And obviously they lost him and it made it probably made him look even better as to why, you know, as to the, the year that they had afterwards. But I don't know if he's the the signing, uh, sorry, the goalkeeper that leads him forward. I think David Gay, if he can get back to his best, is, you know, top three goalkeeper in the world. Mm-hmm. And if he can, you know, as they can get him focused again, I think that's that's a real win for United. But the biggest problems obviously lie at the at, at the backer and in, and in the centre of the park. You know, what do mm. they do with Paul Pogba? And they need someone to partner Harry Maguire at centre-half mm. because we've seen that the Eric Bailey can't stay on the pitch for long enough and Victor Lindelof is just not a good enough quality player for Manchester United. I've got them finishing third. However, I think the gap between the two Manchester teams is actually going to be a lot closer compared to last year. So I would say do not judge them on where they finish. Judge them on how small that gap is between the two Manchester teams. I've still got them in, I've got them in fourth this year. Uh, I think Chelsea's team is better. They're playing better form. They, they will be having a huge boost, uh, I think now that they've unlocked Luke Shaw again, which obviously off the back of the Euros campaign he's just had and the form that he showed at the back end of last season. They need someone else to help Bruno Fernandes out, but I, they're still Champions League and they'll finish in the in the Champions League spots. So I just don't see them being better than the three sides uh, in Chelsea, Manchester City and Liverpool. And then the other side of it, Michael, your prediction and also the response to the rumours of Eduardo Camavinga joining from Reigns and the rumour that also um, they are targeting Adama Traore from Wolverhampton. Yeah, that would be awesome. Like, Camavinga, obviously, good player, tried and tested, I like him. But, mate, the one that really gets me excited is Adama Traore. That guy is an absolute weapon. Like, he's a machine. (laughs) But the thing is, like Dom said before, do we really need that guy? Do we really need another attacking winger to take on the the defence of the opposition? Mate, I don't really think so. I mean, we're going for more attacking players when I think the thing we're really missing with Man United is a good old-fashioned midfield enforcer like a, a Roy Keane there in the middle just to give a bit of shielding for Fernandes there to play play his natural game. I, I think that's what we're missing, mate, honestly. And for that reason, I think they're going to finish in fourth, mate. Well, let's move on to Newcastle United, managed by Steve Bruce, who finished 12th last year. And, Michael, we spoke about it, about you know, basket cases in terms of clubs, the way they're operating at the moment. Newcastle United has been a basket case for years. It's going to continue right now. They have been absolutely inept in the transfer market, and I think it's just going to continue again. They just need to let them. Set, they just need to let the club be sold. I just don't understand. I know that there was always that tie to the Saudi team, and that they were upset about the you know Saudi Arabia's treatment of uh, human rights. You know, and it probably wasn't a good fit for the Premier League, but it's no worse than some of the crap that, that UEFA and FIFA get up to, to be honest with you. So 
you know they're they're happy you know they're happy to you know allow you know Qatar to to host World Cups and uh, and so on and so forth. But Saudi can sort them. You know, business is not allowed to own Newcastle United. Uh, it baffles me really. They won't go anywhere until they sold it. Steve Bruce, and I've said it from time and time again, is the most underrated manager in the Premier League. How he manages to get that team playing well is beyond me. They've, you know, if they can get Callum uh, Wilson and Alan St. Maximan on the field all the time, they're a good team. They're a good team. Strong, physical, have the quality up front that can trouble def- any defence. But unfortunately, they just haven't been able to have that consistency enough throughout the the the, the, sorry, the tenure of, of Steve Bruce has had and haven't been able to bring anybody else in to strengthen the squad. They're a good team. They're not a championship quality team. They just need some they need some support off the football field, which they're just not getting at the moment. And in that case, they can, will only ever be in that low to mid table range <laughs> for eternity. A bit like Crystal Palace has been for a very long time. Michael, what do they need to do? Like where do they need to go and make some signings if they do, or do they need to just have a bit of a general investment within the club to improve facilities and improve training just that bit further? Yeah, look, I think um Dom hit the nail on the head. Off the field, they need that extra support, they need to get things in place a little bit better there, absolutely, because I think the manager they've got, like Dom said, is a great manager, you know, very experienced, Steve Bruce, I mean, he'll keep them up again, no doubt for me, um, but I just think they are leaning too heavily on those two star players that they've got, Maximan and, and Callum Wilson, and obviously everyone knows they're capable of the best and the worst, <laughs> they just need a little bit more consistency, and I think they need a little bit more depth there as well, with some good signings just to just so those two players that I mentioned before don't have to carry the whole load on their shoulders, mate. I've got them finishing 14th, a small drop from 12th place. Your tips? Yeah, 14th. 14th. Same as you, Caruso. Yeah, 14th for sure. Well, let's go to our last team before we go to our break, and it is one of the promoted teams. It is Norwich City, managed by Daniel Farke. They finished first in the EFL last year. And, Michael, they've been busy in in the transfer market. They have... Let go some players, managed to get some money out of it, and brought in some brought in some players themselves. Um, in particular, Emiliano Buendia to Aston Villa for thirty three million pounds means they can actually go and spend some money. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's it's a really good. Um, you know, they've got actually a little bit of money to to play around with now, which is something that they're not used to all that often. So hopefully, mate, they bloody invest it well. And they put it into to some good signings for the team, but to be honest, mate, uh, Norwich just have that have a really, really. Um, uh, I don't think they're going to look very well this year, mate. For me, I've got them looking at the bottom of the table, mate. Despite having that money, I just don't see them being able to attract the type of players, even if with that money that they'll need to to stay up, mate. Honestly, I don't know about you, Dom. What do you reckon, mate? <laughs> I thought the loss of Brendia was an interesting one. He is by far their most talented player, and they let him go for relatively cheap in the end. Last time out in the Premier League, it didn't work out for him under uh, under Farke, and I'm not too sure. I think that's probably why they were they were kind of more happy to see him go, and they could try and do something different. Norwich, for mind, I, I don't. This isn't actually anything against Norwich, but it's just against how people perceive Norwich. Norwich, when they come into team, they've got Timo Pukki. Todd Cantwell, and, and that's about it. 
in terms of quality. And they beat Manchester City once, and then all of a sudden, everyone thought they were really good. <laughs> and it really annoyed me that everyone thought they were really good because they got a lucky result against Manchester City. Because the following week, they lost 5-1 to Villa in that season, two years ago. And Villa managed to stay up. And everyone was, and then every time I used to talk to someone, everyone was like, oh, how good's Norwich going? I'm like, bro, that was like 10 weeks ago they beat Manchester City. They've lost eight games on the bounce. Like, ridiculous. They're so average. And, like, they don't play that great. They play good attacking football, but they have zero, zero defensive capabilities. And in the Premier League, I've said time and time again, you need defenders to win your championships. Virgil van Dijk, Ruben Diaz, last two years back to back, they've been, won by centre-half signings. Same thing again if you want to stay in the Premier League. Villa sorted out their defence and they survived and had their best season to date because they got the best out of Mings and Erzy Konza got up to scratch. They need, same with West Ham, they need the get their, their entire team in order. I don't see them staying in the Premier League again. I've got them 19th. They need to make some, some moves. I'll I, I see how they go. I, I don't mind Norwich as a team, but yeah, it, everyone just thinks they're this like this awesome hipster team that comes up every once in a while, and they just always go down, and they're always disappointing. They're always perceived as this, like, awesome team, and I just don't understand it. It just baffles me. Every Ipswich Town fan is loving what you are saying at the moment. (laughs) For mine, I've got them bottom of the ladder. They're going straight back down, and nothing more could typify that than the fact that their goal, they've got Tim Krull as their goalkeeper, who in his prime was a very solid goalkeeper, and then they go and sign Angus Gunn. Mm. I'm sorry, but when you've got when Tim Krull is pushing the likes of Gianluigi Buffon in terms of his age, and you bring in Angus Gunn as a cover for him, no, no. <laughs> totally agree with you, mate. Totally agree. <laughs> Just sums up Norwich, doesn't it? Oh, that absolutely <laughs> does. With that, we're going to go take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have the final part of our EPL preview for 2021-22. This is Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Karingai Post and the Hornsby RSL. We'll be right back. Bowling is back in Hornsby. The Attic offers a 10-pin bowling experience like no other with Australia's first ever augmented reality scoring experience that will take your game to a whole new level. With a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, the Attic Entertainment Precinct is complete with a bar and lounge area to keep you entertained for hours. Specialising in kids' parties and celebrations, the Attic at Hornsby RSL Club is perfect for your next special event. Whether it be an afternoon out with the kids or a night out with friends, it will be an unforgettable occasion that will bowl you and your guests over. Visit our website, theattichornsby.com.au, for more information. The Attic, proud sponsors of Triple H. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. 
Hornsby RSL Club, your perfect place to catch up with friends and family. With dining options ranging from modern Australian favourites in the courtyard, authentic Asian cuisine from Keku, or delicious wood-fired pizzas from Level 1, there is something for everyone to enjoy. Join us weekly for entertainment activities such as trivia, meat raffles, bingo and free live music, or grab some tickets to see one of our first-class entertainment acts in the showroom. Thinking of holding an event? Let our friendly events team guide you through every step to create the perfect event for any occasion. Visit our website at hornsbyrsl.com.au for further details. Hornsby RSL Club, proud sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Coringai Post and the Hornsby RSL. Anthony the Bull Caruso with the Spicy Chorizo, Dom Rizzuto and our special guest Michael Lloyd Green and we're cracking into the last five teams of the preview for the 21-22 EPL preview. And, Dom, we are heading down to the south coast for the next team. It is my beloved Southampton, managed by You Can't Hassle, the Ralph Hassan Hoodle. And i got to say that, that for this year, they've been quiet in terms of the transfers that have been confirmed, but there are plenty of rumours about players being picked up because, as we know now, Southampton have pretty much become the ultimate selling club in the Premier League. Yeah, it's a real shame, isn't it, for Southampton? As soon as they have uh, a couple of good seasons, players uh, tend to get poached by uh, rival clubs. You know, the, the big news is out of uh, out of Southampton at the moment is Danny Ings won't be extending his his contract. He hasn't signed a, a, of the four-year deal that they put on the table. Um, obviously thinks that he can... Um, crack it with uh, one of the bigger teams, um, which, based on his form from last year, I don't think he would be a bad signing for someone like a, excuse me, an Arsenal or a, or an Everton. Even though they obviously have Dominic Calvert Lewin, but an Arsenal or a, or a Leeds, um, who have been you know pushing those top six sides, or even for Leicester, you know, does he go in and replace Jamie Vardy when he retires? Who knows? So. It's an interesting one and a, and a kind of delicate position that Southampton find themselves in. You know, they're not obviously not a, a very rich club in terms of Premier League standards uh, right now, but you know they make great signings. They've got a great academy system, and I imagine that uh, they'll be in around that mix for mid-table finishes once again. Um, if they can, you know, they need some depth this year. I think you can agree with me on that. Um, big, obviously. Dip last year when they copped a few injuries and then had to play, you know, James Ward-Prowse right back for a couple of games and that was just a disaster waiting to happen. Uh, they can find some depth at the back. Uh, to, you know, they'll they'll be in a much better position, but they still need to, I think, yeah, um, maybe bring in a, a one or two quality signings to really kind of up the standard of football. Michael, we, we've seen what Southampton can do. They led the competition for two weeks last year. Heaven forbid that ever happening again. Um, this year, in terms of the transfers, the, the biggest ones in terms of players being released have been Ryan Bertrand finally released, Wesley Hoyt to Anderlecht. Um, the, the only ones they've confirmed, Theo Walcott making his loan move permanent from Everton and Roman Peru from Stadio Brestoy, uh, for an undisclosed amount. They are rumoured to be chasing Albert Elise from Boa Vista, 
But you just get the feeling, as Dom said, they are missing some depth in defense. They've got two very good central defenders in Yannick Vestergaard and Jan Bednarek. But as we saw last year, when those two went down, there was nothing else left after that. Yeah, absolutely, mate. They should be definitely investing in that area. And if what Dom said, like, I didn't even know about the Danny Ings, that he's not going to continue. So, geez, but I guess that does free up a bit of the wage budget as well and allows them to maybe invest that into uh, into some central defenders. I mean, the whole team, I think, in general, needs a little bit more depth. I mean, they just lack that, don't they? And, and without Danny Ings there, man, I, I just... I still think they're going to stay up, but, oh, mate, it scares me a little bit how they're going to replace his goals, you know, who they're going to go for. So hopefully they for, sign uh, well. He'll be there for this season. It's after that they have the uh, the issue. So he's got one more year in his contract. So You don't think another team will snap him up for, for something cheap so they can cash him? Well, who knows? <laughs> it's a, I don't know if Southampton will be willing to sell him without a, a ready-made replacement, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. at this point in time, if you lose Danny Ings, they're not going to really make that much money on him. He'll make, they'll make more money on his goals. But then again, if he's a player who doesn't want to be there, then you might as well get rid of him and, and, and is, cash and him. And this is the thing, that they want to sign, they want to re-sign him so they can get some value if someone does come seriously sniffing and have to make a big offer for him. Because otherwise, there's no way, if Danny has got ambitions of actually moving, the best thing he could do for his career is let his contract run out and he'll get snapped up on a free. And believe me, clubs will swarm if they know he's on a free. So I've got them finishing 12th. You know, some would say, well, why aren't you backing the boys in on this one? And it's that very depth reason. They they need something in there to try and bolster them. Thirteenth for me, Caruso. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say eleventh, mate. I'm optimistic. <laughs> well, and a lot of it will be based around whether they can keep Ings. Let's go to Tottenham Hotspur, Michael. They've made the biggest move in the last week or so with the announcement that they have now picked up Nuno Espirito Santo as the manager to replace Jose Mourinho. Hey, Nuno. <laughs> yeah, I've known this guy well from my time in Spain, mate. Yeah. He, um, he wasn't so successful there, but when he came to Wolves, obviously, like, he's built a reputation for that beautiful, you know, attacking, flowing football that he's been playing there. So, you know, hopefully he can continue that form here with Tottenham. Although, mate, I think he's got a big challenge on his hands with this team, mate. They just, um, I, I really don't see them doing so, so well. Like, uh, I don't know, mate. I, I think they were, I was much more of the mystic when Mourinho came in. He just seemed like the type of character who needed to take him to another level. But, man, I could be wrong. I could be wrong here about uh, Nuno. I don't know what you boys think, but I just, I don't, I'm just i not the most optimistic about his reign. <laughs> what do you reckon? Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's a, it's a mid-table signing. You only have to look at the, the, the last couple of seasons with this Wolves team. They just couldn't get to that next stage. They had a great first season when they came in, and it's just kind of been a disappointment uh, after disappointment. I say disappointment after disappointment, but it's been a it's been a fall in terms of quality. I think he'll bring a much more attacking and fun style, which is what kind of Tottenham fans cry for more so. They don't really care, I find, about winning titles half the time. They just want to see their team play beautiful football so they can brag about it. Um, the big thing for Tottenham, though, is whether or not they can keep a hold of Harry Kane for another year. He obviously wants to go. Big decision is whether you, do you let him go? Do you bite the bullet, let him go, and, and, and rebuild? Bring in some, some, some new players, try and get the team firing again. They've got quality in this side. Um, there's no doubt about it. Can they get the best out of Deli Ali? Um, they need to fix up their, you know, the defense is pretty solid. Um, I wouldn't think it, you know, in terms of quality, you know, they probably need a, 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 have never been the same since they haven't been able to replace Christian Eriksen. They need another playmaker in there to help Harry Kane out if he does stay. 
Um, they need to they need to open the wallet up if they're to convince him to stay. Uh, yeah, Nuno's got a big job on his hand. Who does he bring in? Does he go and poach his his former team? Uh, do they bring in uh, like an Ada Adama Traore? Or if Harry Kane does go, do they go and get Ruben ne- sorry Ruben Neves, Raúl Jiménez um, from the from Wolves? You know, I- interesting kind of position that they find themselves in Tottenham, where they kind of you know Danny Levy doesn't want to spend any money as per usual, but he's got to. Try and keep his prize asset. The only way you can keep your prize asset is by spending money to to make them feel like they're, you're you're building towards something, which at the in the last few years Tottenham haven't been doing. And the only thing we've seen them do on the on the transfer market at the moment is releasing Danny Rose, who's gone to Watford on a free. They've been linked to so many players and so many managers, and this is where I think the biggest issue has been for them for the start of the season. I think why they'll struggle this year is it took them this long to finally land Nuno Espirito Santo, and they went through the likes of offering the position to uh, Julian Nagelsmann, Brendan Rodgers, Antonio Conte, Mauricio Pochettino, Julian Lopetegui. Uh, Spurs then rejected, and you're going to love this, Paulo Fonseca, and the best one of the lot, Dom, our good mate, Yenaro Gattuso. <laughs> sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe... No, I'm just kidding, you know... <laughs> Uh, everything, everything is Malakia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, they're uh, a bit of a basket case at the moment, Spurs. But I still think they've got a pretty good squad. I've got them finishing in in eighth, I think, um, on the ladder. They're, I still think they're better than Arsenal and Leeds on their day. If they can get uh, keep Harry Kane for another year, then and, and Son Heung Min, you know, if they can get them firing again and maybe bring in another quality signing. They'll be a they'll be a force without a doubt. I've gone eighth place as well, Michael. Yeah, nice, mate. I've gone. Look, mate. Even though I said I'm not that confident about them, honestly, I've got them seventh, but only because I can't see Everton or Arsenal or West Ham being any better than them. That's why it's not that they're that good, but it's just that the other teams aren't better. Let's go to the next team. It is Watford, who have come up after finishing second in the EFL Championship, managed by Zisco Munoz. And, oh, God, Michael, you know, back when we used to cover Watford when they were in the Premier League, we used to have fun about the revolving door of managers. And the latest stat we've got on this now is they've now gone through 14 managers in 10 years. <laughs> That's incredible, man. Oh, my God. Is, is Elton John still part of that club as well? Or he's, is he he's the permanent, no, no, he's the permanent president of the, of the club. So... <laughs> Um, oh my but, god! But geez, listen, listen to this lineup of managers they've gone through just to have a laugh at. They've gone through Sean Dyche, Gianfranco Zola, Kinka Sanchez Flores, Marco Silva, Walter uh, Mazzari, and Nigel Pearson. You know, and they brought in give- Flores twice. And they brought it in Flores twice. You're quite right. How long are we giving Zisco Munoz before he gets the sack as well? <laughs> oh, mate. I reckon, honestly, I reckon the first four weeks, first four games, and he's gone. He's gone on the fifth. <laughs> are, are, we, are we pulling that now? Well, Dom, we're gonna, are we going to put hold into that? Fifth, fifth round of the season, Zis, Zisco Munoz will be the first manager sacked. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see it. I could see it. Uh, I could see it happening. It's not quite, it's not quite Frank DeBoer. But it's pretty close. <laughs> no, I don't think anything will top Frank de Boer. Nah. And nothing will, will stop Frank de Boer. That was I'll unbelievable. Tell what, <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Watford have gone, Watford have gone hard at it, um, it looks like, this year. Because they picked up Carlos Sanchez on a free from West Ham United. 
They've got um, Matty Pollock from Grimsby Town. They do rate him as an up-and-comer, but their big signing, Danny Rose from Tottenham on a free. So they, they've picked up cheap signings, but there's some pretty decent names in there. Yeah, their squad is, you know, a, a little bit unheralded, this Watford team. It's very different to the one that uh, that, uh, that left the Premier League a year ago. And, you know, they came straight back. They they didn't they did it with a, with ease alongside Norwich. Um, they didn't have to, you know, go through the promotion system. I imagine that they'll they'll be a, a decent side again this year coming. Um, the question remains is is that I've I've been very harsh on Crystal Palace. I, I must admit, even though I do agree that the appointment of Patrick Vieira wasn't the right person, um, and I don't see them doing very well this year. Do I see Crystal Palace? Or do I should I say do I see Watford escaping rele- relegation over Crystal Palace? I'm not so sure, and I don't know how many positions I have left to give. <laughs> <laughs> There's only so much, Michael, that Troy Deeney and Yoa Pedro can do for this lineup um, because those two have been immense over the last few years for them. But that, those two can't carry this team along with Andre Gray. Oh mate, I keep saying that every year, but like um. You know, you've got uh, Troy Deeney. I just don't know, man. That guy just keeps scoring goals. I don't know why no one else snaps him up. He's he just seems to be an absolute goal machine. And and with such a, a like, I wouldn't say okay. I, I'm, I don't want to offend Watford fans here, but it's not the best team in the world. Um, but he just seems to manage to pop up and 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 put him in. So um, I, I would I'd be hesitant to say that he couldn't do it again, mate. To be honest, <laughs> he might just be able to keep him up, but. Yeah, we'll see. I've, I've got them bubbling in 18th, Dom. Do I even have 18th left? I don't know if I do. I think no, I had... No, you've got them 19th. Oh, I do want to have to, have to be, I suppose, yeah. Warwick, Norwich, Watford and Palace. Palace. Yeah, there yeah. you go. 19th. Yeah. Look, mate, I'm going to say 19th as well, but mate, mark my words, I reckon Deeney might just score a few and keep them up. You'll wait and see. Wouldn't be surprised by that um, actually happening there. Let's go to the next team. It is West Ham United. And is the renaissance of David Moyes since arriving on East London. We have not, Dom, we have not seen uh, West Ham United play this good a level of football since the early days of Dimitri Payet. Yeah, they were incredible last year. Not too sure where it came from, but the way that they just played football was was fantastic. But And, you know, really were very close to being in those European positions, but didn't probably have that experience and quality in the back end. It'll be interesting to see if they can get Jesse Lingard back on the uh, the team. But, you know, this year for Manchester United, he made a big difference for them. Um, and then see if whether or not um, they can add on top of that. Do I see them being as good as last year? Probably not. I think teams will be a bit aware of them this time. But they're a, they're a quality outfit, that's for sure. The other, the two transfers that have been rumoured, Michael, and these could be quite handy for them. Odson Eduardo from Celtic, although he's been chased by Arsenal and Borussia Dortmund. West Ham also chasing Ukrainian striker Roman Yaramchuk uh, from Ghent, but they're competing there against Bayer Leverkusen and Sevilla. Two very handy players, I think, could actually bolster this lineup. Yeah, absolutely, I think they're they're good. They're really good players. If you do your research on those guys, they're actually top quality. And I think they, they'll be turning out to be really, really good signers if they do actually manage to get them. And, uh, but I think the really important thing is they, they do have to bring in some people. Like, they definitely have to, to go into the transfer market and pull out some, some quality there because they've got extra, you know, an extra charge for this year, mate. They've got the Europe to deal with as well. So they need more depth to handle the extra game loads. With some shrewd signings, mate, I think they should be in the top half of the table again. 
And obviously, mate, David Moyes, he's achieved his managerial redemption with these guys, hasn't he? I mean, he was just written off as a, as a has-been, but he's back, and he's back in a, in a big way. So I'm really excited to see West Ham this year, mate. I'm not as confident. I've got them dropping back, but they're still competitive in ninth place. And, Dom, that is because I think this mid-table this year is just going to get even more jam-packed. Yeah, it's it's tough. I'd like to throw him that high too. I, I don't think I have it left though. So I've got him in at eleventh this year, just because I uh, probably flipped uh, I flipped them and Villa around essentially um, this year, and I see them finishing in eleventh. Yeah, mate, I see them finishing in tenth. To be honest, just one above. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to play some great football, and they might even have a decent run in Europe. Wait and see. We now come to the last team in alphabetical order. It's Wolverhampton Wanderers, and you know, Michael, we see this. Seeing this lineup, it just reminds me of the meme someone made from the Simpsons, regarding the Simpsons. Whenever a decent player um, gets found from Portugal, and there's a picture of Abe Simpson bashing on the door, going, "Help! Help me! The wolves are after me again!" <laughs> mate, absolutely. <laughs> it comes, it comes to mind for sure, mate. They just, they love it, don't they? Absolutely love it. Um, the wolves, mate. Oh God, what can you say about them? They, I mean, they, they really did suffer last year. Without Jimenez, obviously, when he fractured his skull. Uh, that was pretty horrifying, wasn't it, when that happened, boys? Um, missed the rest of that season. But, you know, it looks like he's on back, on track for, like, some sort of remarkable comeback, mate. They were expecting him to be out for a while. But if he does come back, obviously, mate, that's going to be um, big for them. But, yeah, mate, they've got a new guy in charge, Benfica man Bruno Lage. So we'll have to see how he goes, mate. He's really going to have to lead the way as manager, I think, to have a good season, though, because this... Um, it, it could go really, really pear-shaped for them, or they could actually have a decent season, but we'll have to see how they start, mate. They're going to have to start strong, I think. Dom, the big announcement they've had so far was, I think, a pretty shrewd signing in Yerson Mosquera from Atletico Nacional for £4.5 million. Pounds. He could fit in quite nicely with this squad. i tell you what I'm excited for, uh, Caruso, is um, playing with these guys on FIFA. They are going to have the most talented front three in in terms of age and statistics, um, up front for them. Um, if uh, Raheem Jimenez can't get on the field, you'll have Fabio Silva up front, you'll have Pedro Neto on the left, and then on the right, they brought in Fabio Trincao from Barcelona on loan this season, who has massive wraps on him, um, the yeah. Portuguese winger. They're pretty much the Portuguese under-21s team. And they've got some real good attacking talent here, Wolves. My concern is where's the experience outside Jamatinho? So and and Ruben Neves. So they they're a good team. They they fell away a little bit last year. Obviously the loss of Raheem Neves was massive. You know they they're making some good signings. They they'll always make good signings. Well, they'll always stay in the Premier League because you know they've got Jorge Mendes is pretty much part owner of the club. So he just gets all these cheap young talented Portuguese players <laughs> in the door and out the door. It's a little bit uh, cheap in my personal opinion, but it is what it is. Considering you know the other clubs you know just smash. Um, teams like Wolves out of the park when it comes to the financial financials in 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 the Premier League. For mine, they'll be they'll be twelfth or thirteenth again, and we'll have a good season. But so uh, yeah, Bruno Lage has got uh, a big job on his hands trying to get this team back into uh, Champions, sorry, Europa League territory like they were a couple of seasons ago. I've got them finishing. I've got them finishing thirteenth as well, Michael. Yeah. Yeah, thirteenth, mate. They'll stay up. I, I don't think it'll be a question about whether they stay stay up or not, because I could see, I see it being Newcastle United almost being that cut off of those teams that'll comfortably nah. stay up. It's yeah. almost like the bottom of that mid table mm. battle. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so, 
So, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. Those are all 20 teams. And as we sit at the moment, if we're going to pull up, pull together all of the predictions at the moment and put in a joint bench prediction, the way it's currently looking at the moment, it's four different teams being put up to win the competition, but it is, it is confirmed pretty much that the top five will be any combination of the top four being Manchester City, Liverpool, Manchester United and Chelsea, plus Leicester City finishing in fifth place. I dare say that Two of the three teams confirmed going, well, two of the three teams confirmed going down will be Crystal Palace and Norwich City and possibly Watford as well. So, you know, it, it's making, making shape for what should be a very fascinating um, season ahead. Before we sign off, gentlemen, final outlandish prediction, something completely out of the blue. Um, it can be, uh, one, it's got to be one serious and one absolutely humorous um, prediction. You go Oof. first, Tom. I need some time to think about this. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say, I wasn't prepared. Um, <laughs> one, one, one outlandish thing. I think picking Villa at sixth is pretty outlandish, Caruso. Um, that, can, that can count for you. That can count for you. That's fair enough. Aston Villa finishing sixth. I'll, have a, have a, I'll go a bit more outlandish on top of that as they... You know, I predicted them six, but here's, 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 here's one to go further. Jack Grealish stays, and they finish fourth in the Champions League. That's <laughs> wow. And, and uh, my, serious, my serious pick is, I think, Manchester City will sign Harry Kane and, and go on to win the Premier League. No, okay, humorous. I don't know. This could actually happen. So, geez, if I say this, it probably bloody will. So, what what I think might happen, but I think it's also a bit of a joke, is that um, Messi is going to sign for Man City. He's going to join back with Guardiola and lead them to Champions League glory for once. So that's that's something which you know I'm going to love. I think you know obviously it's never going to happen, but just by saying that, it actually could. And the thing that I think actually might happen is that Chelsea might even get Haaland, mate. I'm just, I really think it could happen. I think they could pull up the signing, and I definitely think either way they're going to win the league, mate, this year. So mark my words. Well, I've got one that's going to be absolutely ridiculous. That's going to be absolutely ridiculous to start, to start off with here. And that is, first off, that Sam Allardyce will make a comeback this year. And I think he will be making his comeback at Watford. There you go. <laughs> that could that that. What do you reckon, Dom? What do you think of that? Oh dear! <laughs> my ser- my serious prediction as to what I think could actually happen out of all of this is that Manchester United is going to make an audacious bid and pull off for a big name for a big name defender and go on to win the Premier League. And I'm going to go as so far as to say that they may go and raid Italy for a defender. Yeah, that could happen. I hope so. <laughs> what do you reckon, Dom? I I think that that is a genuine possibility that Manchester United goes to Italy for defence, especially after what happened at Euro. Yeah, I don't know who the who they bring in though. I mean, uh, in terms of you know defenders in Italy, you know you're not going to take here Nini or Bonucci away from Juventus. Uh, those two will probably retire there. Um, what about Koulibaly? From, well, uh, Koulibaly is the man that everyone wants, yeah. you know. Mm. But, you know, I still haven't seen much movement on him. I thought he would have gone already. So, interesting whether or not they'll end up picking him up. You could look at, uh, you know, Inter Milan. Uh, are looking to cut wages out of their title-winning squad. You know, you can get uh, uh, Skriniar, uh, probably on a cheap. 
or or De Villa, uh, the Dutch uh, centre back. There's plenty of talent in Italy at the moment. That's kind of you know the Serie A has you know, had a very competitive season last year. You know I know they didn't um, really show that off on the uh, European stage, but the the the, the international so the national competition was very competitive and had and there's plenty of talent there at the moment that um, I'm sure the Premier League, I think a lot of the Premier League clubs could be sleeping on. I wouldn't be surprised with that one. I mean the only thing I will say is I think um, Bonucci and Chiellini will keep playing for Juventus until they win a Champions League and then they'll never have to retire. <laughs> I don't know if they'll win a Champions League anytime soon. Sorry <laughs> right. to say that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is full-time here on Splinters, and wow, what a two weeks it has been. We can't wait for this season to start again, and it'll be an absolute cracker. As we said, we'll share these predictions on social media for everyone to comment on, and we'll look on these predictions at the end of the season. My thanks to our panel over the last two weeks. Unfortunately, he couldn't be with us today, but Scott Balderson, we thank him for his contributions last week. Michael Lloyd Green, an absolute pleasure having you on here, and I think we might be calling on you more and more as the as the year goes on. Uh, my pleasure, mate. I'd love to be a part of this. You boys have so much passion for the game, and and I just love listening to you. So I'm a fan, even away from this uh, doing the podcast myself. I listen to you boys. So keep up the great work, lads, and thanks for the invite. Dom, we cannot wait, can we? No, it's going to be very close, very close uh, to uh, the season starting. Um, you know, I know that. Uh, we know that you probably haven't uh, seen it as old shit people, but uh, two big games of football as well this weekend to fire up for the Premier League. Copper America tomorrow morning and then the Euro final the following day on Monday morning. So heaps of action uh, coming away to fire for the Premier League season. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Of course, we do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Kareem Guy Post and the Hornsby RSL. On behalf of Michael Lloyd Green and Dom Rizzuto, I'm Anthony Caruso. As always, run hard or run home. Good night. <laughs>